this is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee coming to you from Noongarland and this is The Full Story. Have you ever received a call from your boss out of hours and thought, please stop? Well, under a new law, workers will have the right to disconnect from work, giving them more power to push back against unreasonable demands. Some people are now constantly in a situation of getting in trouble if they're not checking their emails, being expected to be working for a whole lot of time that they're not being paid. And that's just unreasonable. But the coalition argues this will hurt productivity and small businesses, setting the stage for an election showdown. If you think it's okay to outsource your industrial relations or your economic policy to the Greens, which is what the Prime Minister's doing, uh, then we are going to see a continuation of the productivity problem in our country. So, could this really help you switch off? And how could it affect your work? Today, unpacking the right to disconnect. It's Thursday, the 15th of February. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. So, Paul, the right to disconnect is just one small part of Labor's industrial relations reform package, but it's become a major talking point over the past week. How did this come about? Yeah, so uh, the Greens have been calling for this for a while. Paul Carp is Guardian Australia's chief political correspondent. Then when Labor brought its closing loopholes bill into the parliament, which does a bunch of other things about minimum conditions for the gig economy and more rights for casual workers... This was one of the Greens' major demands that this go into it. And then when that legislation did pass last week, they were successful. There was a deal between Labor and the Greens to put this in. Right. So what exactly is the right to disconnect now that we have this law? Does it make it illegal for my boss to contact me out of hours? No, so the act of contact itself from the employer is not punishable. What the right is, is that employees cannot be punished for refusing to take unreasonable work calls or answering emails in their unpaid personal time. Now, there are a few exceptions to this. If you're paid to take those calls, like an an on-call allowance, if it's in your job description, if it's an emergency, 
if it's a call about your uh, location or hours of work, like taking another shift, those things aren't unreasonable. But there are circumstances that it might be unreasonable and it's basically just mission creep asking you to do more work in your personal time. If you're an accountant and you know, you, you've clocked off for the day and your boss has lots of questions about a particular client's account that could be answered the next day and instead they're calling you after hours, that's the sort of thing that could be unreasonable. Let's say I'm an employee whose boss is just frequently calling and emailing out of hours, making unreasonable requests, and I want to do something about that and I want to exercise that right to disconnect. What could I do about that under this law? So when this law is phased in over a six-month period, uh, it will allow employees to raise a complaint about the intrusive phone calls or the expectation that they answer uh, emails out of hours. They can raise that directly with their employer. If the issue is not resolved at the workplace level, employees can then apply to the Fair Work Commission for an order on the employer to stop unreasonable out-of-hours contact. Now, this is where the penalties come in if an employer breaches such an order. The coalition complained that it's punishable by fines of up to $18,000. Those are the existing civil penalties in the Fair Work Act. But then a last minute wrinkle as the bill was being rushed through Parliament last week was because of a drafting error, it became apparent that the employers could also be exposed to criminal penalties for breaching a stop order. Mm. Uh, And the government asked for permission to go back and amend this and take this out, uh, and the coalition said no, too late. So the bill that went through both houses of parliament included the possibility of criminal penalties, but the government is going to uh, come back and, and fix that in a subsequent bill before the regime takes effect. Right. So when it does take effect, those criminal penalties will be out and the worst that we can see are fines for employers who don't abide by these orders. That's right. Correct. And it's also, obviously, if the employer changes their behaviour, then none of the penalties will apply. In the same way that if the Fair Work Commission issued a stop bullying order, um, you know, I'm not sure we'd be outraged that there was a fine involved in an employer that, that didn't take the measures that were required of them to stop an employer being bullied. And the other thing is it it really depends on the culture of the workplace because if the employee doesn't raise a concern about it, if they continue to take those calls, then it might be quite practically difficult to exercise this right if this is such a norm in the workplace that the employee won't insist that the employer stops it. But it's a very important way to try and change workplace culture to, to set the norm by having this right in law. Well, the full story team actually asked some members of the public about their thoughts on this issue. Let's take a listen. I left a full-time position at a university about eight years ago because I got really sick of having to do a lot of unpaid overtime. It's unbalanced and it's, it's, you know, it's really unhealthy for everyone's mental health. Well, it depends on the role. If it's an office role, then probably a bit different. But being a train guard, they've got to cover if people go sick and stuff like that, so... It's been hard to have that there where you can't be contacted because it, otherwise nothing, services won't happen. I think it's always good to like, have clear parameters to where work starts and where work ends. I don't think you can really have it both ways where you say, well, I've now got flexible working hours and I work from here to here, have a break and then here to here. Well, when are employers meant to contact you? So there's give and take. Yeah, so really interesting range of views there, Paul. It sort of seems like in different industries it's sort of harder to change that workplace culture than others, right? 
Yeah, I thought the observation about needing parameters was definitely the right way of thinking about it. And employers have raised concerns as well that this will make it uh, very difficult to have flexible work, working from home or not working the standard nine to five. I think that might make it harder to administer, but it doesn't preclude it. Uh, You can still agree to work an eight-hour day from 7 to 9 a.m., then split your shift and do six hours from 12 to 6 p.m. and then object to being called at 7, 8, 9 p.m. at night. So it might make flexible work a little harder, but I think if you clearly define what your hours of work are with your employer, it should be possible to say, all right, I've done my time for today. I'm, I'm not answering calls or emails after I walk out the door. How do you feel about having the right to disconnect Paul, as a political reporter, you're often doing work out of hours. Well, there have been a lot of uh, a lot of chuckles around uh, Parliament in the last fortnight from political staffers and from journalists. Like, ha ha, you know, we all wish we had the right to disconnect, but the news cycle doesn't really uh, doesn't really allow that, uh, and often the you know political cycle doesn't either. So, I think politics and media are two examples of places where the theoretical right to disconnect might not go very far because it might be very difficult for uh, employees to exercise. But we know that the right to disconnect has existed in, in one form or another in countries like France for years. So what can we learn about how this right works in practice from those countries? Well, we know that uh, it already exists uh, in some EU member countries like Italy and France and Belgium. We have it domestically here in Australia in a few workplaces already uh, negotiated between employees and their and their employers. There are several examples of that in the public service like nurses and police. And this became relevant to the political debate as well because uh, the police Association actually complained that Peter Dutton was uh, going to take this right away, and they said that that uh, where this exists already, like the Queensland Police, it works very well. Mm. You know, after hours calls have dropped significantly, and senior police have had to moderate and become more more reasonable in in the way that they make those demands on on police's time when they're not being paid for it. So I think that shows uh, that it is a valuable right to people where they already have it. Mm. Business groups are also arguing that giving workers sort of greater power to push back against their employers will make Australia's, quote, productivity problem worse. It's a line that the coalition has adopted as well. In fact, opposition leader Peter Dutton says that the coalition would repeal this law if they were elected next year. What's the sticking point for him here? Peter Dutton is speaking to a small business constituency and, you know, when employers say productivity problem, I guess what they really mean is too much time for a small business to get across the change in the law, too much money paying for a human resources advisor or, 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 you know, to tell them how it works, too much time to sit down with each employee and hammer out exactly what the hours of that person's work is Mm. and, you know, their threshold for their tolerance for receiving phone calls and emails outside that band. So he's talking to a small business constituency that thinks that it's it's already too hard, there's too much red tape, and it, this is just one more thing to get across that they, they, they don't want to. And, and really, I think this is an interesting development because for so many years, uh, industrial relations has been 
a third rail for the coalition. Uh, you know, John Howard lost the 2007 election in part because of the overreach of, of work choices. And since then, they've really shied away from it. There were some minor reforms that were basically increasing penalties for unions uh, during the, the last uh, nine years of coalition government. But they haven't been, you know, trying to take away workplace rights from people. So I think what this indicates from Peter Dutton is that they think that because Labor has gone further than what they promised at the last election in agreeing to the right to disconnect and in some other areas like multi-employer bargaining, I think they think, well, finally we can offer our small business and employer constituency something because we can offer to roll back these things that, that we say went too far and that the Labor didn't get a mandate for. Next, does Peter Dutton risk alienating workers? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So, Paul, before the break, we were talking about Peter Dutton's decision to fight the right to disconnect and make this an election issue for the coalition. Does Dutton risk being painted as anti-worker in doing this? Yeah, I I think it's a big risk. I mean, Labor has uh, campaigned on how they want to achieve real wage growth and and an improvement in in workers' material conditions. And this this sounds like the the Grinch who stole Christmas almost. This is Anthony Albanese has said that Dutton wants people to work for longer, for less. Mr Speaker, we want Australians to earn more and to keep more of what they earn. Those opposite... want people to work for longer, for less. They want them on call 24 hours a day. Barbara Pocock, the Greens workplace relations spokesperson, has, you know, borrowed Scott Morrison's line about electric vehicles to say that Dutton wants to end the weekend. He wants people at their barbecues to be taking those phone calls and, and rushing home to answer the email. Workers need their weekends. We now have a workforce, one in two women, four in ten carers. It's a different world than it was 30 years ago. And to hear these old blokes saying women can't have flexibility and the chance to turn off, well, it's just stepping back into the Mm. 1980s and the world is different. I think it does uh, risk the attack line that that Dutton is uh, going to set up a Dickensian work system where you're you're chained to your your phone and email all hours of the day and uh, your shift never ends as a result. 
Well, the coalition also plans to offer voters, you know, a targeted package to abolish Labor's industrial relations reforms at the next election. What could that look like? So we know that the coalition opposed uh, both major industrial relations bills, the Secure Jobs Better Pay Bill, which included changes to bargaining, and the Closing Loopholes Bill, which, as we discussed, gave rights to um, gig economy workers also made changes for minimum conditions in the road transport industry. So far, they haven't spelled out chapter and verse which elements they're going to repeal, but I think that it's a good bet that in addition to the right to disconnect, that multi-employer bargaining will be removed uh, if the coalition were elected and also they they have long-standing opponents to the Fair Work Commission setting uh, conditions in the road transport industry. So it's those things that they've opposed for many years or that Labor did not take to the last election. Mm. Well, I mean, so far this year we've seen Albanese and Dutton clash directly on scrapping the Stage 3 tax cuts and now on the right to disconnect. How big an issue could this become over the next year, do you think? I think the Your Rights at Work campaign that the union movement ran against work choices in 2007 showed the potency of warning about the risk that the conservative side of politics poses to work-life balance, to family life. There were scary ads about people being phoned up and, you know, told that they have to come in for a shift at short notice and if they don't, they'll be sacked. Um, A mother saying that she, you know, had to look after a sick child and being threatened to go back to work or, or she'd be sacked. Now, I don't think the right to disconnect has quite as much potency as that. But it it certainly shows that the loss aversion that voters have, they don't want to give up tax cuts, they don't want to give up wage rises, that should also apply for time, that they they don't want to give up their free time and their family life and their work-life balance. So there, there is potential for that to cause problems for Peter Dutton. And how do you think this is, this fight is sort of reframing the political choice between the two parties at this point in time? Well, I think that this has always been a point of contrast um, between Labor and the Coalition. I mean, the Coalition uh, attacks uh, Labor saying that the industrial relations bills are delivering for their union paymasters. But, you know, they are the Labor Party. The hint is in the name there. They did start out as the parliamentary wing of the Labor movement. So delivering more rights to workers is a consistent part of Labor's platform. Mm. And it draws into question uh, the way that Dutton is trying to reposition the coalition as being the party of, you know, uh, lower paid and, and, and middle class people. Not, uh, it, it calls that into question. So, you know, he goes to all the trouble of getting out of the way of the changes to income tax cuts because he doesn't want to take money off uh, low and middle income earners. But here he is uh, siding with the bosses who want to be able to, you know, call those wage earners at all hours of the night to squeeze, you know, one last bit of work out of them. So I think it does clash. It is slightly contradictory with the way that Peter Dutton is trying to reposition the the coalition. And, you know, when they attack unions, they, of course, uh, jump over the fact that unions do things like take strikes in order to win wage rises. And, you know, unions push for things like the right to disconnect in 
uh, workplace pay deals because they're trying to represent people that want a better work-life balance. So there's only mm-hmm. so long that Dutton can bash unions but propose to take things away from, from people, from workers. That was Paul Karp, Chief Political Correspondent for Guardian Australia. You can find more of Paul's reporting on the right to disconnect at theguardian.com and we'll post some links to the full story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria. Sound design and mixing was by Daniel Simo. The executive producer of Full Story is Hannah Parks. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave us a review. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The EY Tech Connect podcast brings you candid conversations about the most pressing priorities facing tech, media and entertainment, and telecommunications companies, and provides strategic insights on the key issues that matter to them, including topics such as the top 10 opportunities in tech, the next generation of gaming, the future of connectivity and content, and the latest talent strategies. The EY Tech Connect podcast is out now. Download today from wherever you get your podcasts.